What's good, NBA fans? Welcome back. That is right. The NBA season is officially back. Tuesday, we get Lakers versus the NBA champion Denver Nuggets. And we also get to see my team, the Golden State Warriors, face off versus the new look Super Team Phoenix Suns. So it should be a lot of fun basketball to watch. Now, if you're watching this, this is officially the 40th episode of the Get The Who's podcast. I appreciate all the support that we got to make it to this point. We've been pumping out podcast content all off season for all 30 teams. And I'm still trying to finalize these podcast episodes. This episode specifically recording that I had with my friends and fellow content creators, the Mavericks Outsiders podcast. Make sure to tap in to Reese and Bibbs, who are the coast the coast host and co-host of the Mavericks Outsiders podcast really genuine dudes especially Reese Reese inspired me with this idea to break down all these 30 teams and really helped me get into content creation in the first place so big shout out to them make sure to tap in with them the audio I feel bad about it took me a long time I had to delay this episode because the audio for whatever reason glitched out and there was other background noise happening so I couldn't isolate the audio so i had to cut some parts so after i'm done with this soliloquy here it's gonna cut to bibs essentially at the end of introducing himself and being excited to be here so i'm gonna cut right there but appreciate you guys in this we talk about the dallas mavericks how good they're gonna be with Kyrie irving and luka Doncic. so it should be an overall fun conversation if you're new like comment and subscribe and tap into the gift news podcast on spotify apple Podcasts, and youtube for the video version but peace out, people. We got a lot more episodes I'm going to be getting out today because we need to get to the final episodes tomorrow so we can have all of our predictions out before the season begins. Peace out, people. Let's get right into the podcast. Here comes Bibbs. Glad to be here, man. It's been a long time coming. Absolutely, man. I have been talking to these guys for about two to three years now. Big shout out to Reese as well because he gave me some great words in terms of uh, inspiration for the content that I'm doing right now. So, Without him, I for sure wouldn't be in the position that I'm in now. But I'm happy to be here because we got a lot to talk about with y'all team, the Dallas Mavericks. He's trying to wave and cut it. That's crazy. I can't let you do that. I can't let you do that. I can't let you do that. All I did was 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 give a few words of advice. Hey, this is how I would do it. And you did your own thing. So whether I gave you that advice or not, you was going to be here because this is what you were supposed to do. All I did was help along the way. That's all. Hey, big salute. I'm very excited for this episode. This is going to be a very efficient, like a, like a Steph KD-esque type of podcast here. I want to start at the peak for the Dallas Mavericks. So obviously I could talk about last year, but I first want to talk about the way that this team shocked the world and surprised people when they beat that Phoenix Suns team after being down 2-0. Now I start with this because this is going to lead us to a different place that's more current but i want to get your guys thoughts and reactions to the ross construction that year and the deep playoff run that you guys had that year oh man um the roster construction was pretty much the same as it's been since luca has been a mav to be quite minus kp i mean it the same guys, the White Powell at center. I think we were short Tim Hardaway Jr. that uh, playoff run because of an injury, but same guys. We had Spencer Dinwiddie because that was the season we made the uh, KP trade. So we got Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans, the Latvian laser. Uh, but that roster overachieved. Like 
it, it was a ragtag group. Like it was Luca and I don't want to sound disrespectful when I say it like the others, the role players, the guys that chipped in, the guys that played their role, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleber, Dwight Powell, uh, who am I forgetting? Josh Green, that was his coming out year. Spencer Dinwiddie, Jalen Brunson showed what he can do and showed the Mavs, hey, you should pay me. But anyway, um, that run, I still think about that run to this day because that's all we got um, recently anyway. Uh, that game seven was special, man. That game seven was special. No, I don't care what anybody says. They they can't take that from us. No, and yeah, it's just it's a second right. round win. It's just a second round win. It's like gloating about a division banner in, in basketball. Division championships mean nothing in basketball. But you can't take that moment away from me because Suns fans talk so much mess. That's that's what it comes down to. It's not like we just out here, oh, we did this, we did that. It's a direct reaction, a direct response to Suns fans talking crazy. Because they, what will Lucas say? Everybody tough when they up. Everybody tough when they and up. It, it got quiet real quick. And so for me, it was two things. It was lightning in a bottle. Like, and I said it at the time, like, I hope people don't set this as their expectations that we're a Western Conference final team. Because we caught a jazz team that was falling. Like, they were, they were just needed a little push to fall apart. We see... Rudy and Donovan are not there anymore. And then uh, the Suns team, first of all, we know Luka don't like them boys. So then when they gave him just a little bit more ammunition, I don't know what they thought he was, but he's not the type to roll over. He's going to bring you everything he got. And that's what he did. And it was a fun team because, you know, Luka going to ISO and get to a bucket. Jalen Brunson going to ISO and get to a bucket. And then we had Spencer Dinwiddie. He was isolating, getting to a bucket. It was they, they just took turns. They just, all right, you got the matchup, bet your turn. All right, you got the matchup, okay, you go take them. And they just took turns picking them apart. And the Suns were so fragile, they needed to get to the ring so bad that once there was just a little bit of a crack in in what they had, the the doubt started creeping in. The bricks started flying. Frank Nilakina, that was a name that you didn't mention. Frank Nilakina was giving Booker problems on defense, and it's like. The deep, everybody was so connected. The team came together. We rallied. It was again lightning in a bottle. We just caught, got hot at the right time. We caught two teams that had mental fragility, and we took advantage of it. And then we ran into a team that did not and got humbled. So, of course, Bibbs <laughs> mentioned that. Bibbs had to mention that. I forgot his boy Frank Nilakina. No, I, I just want to make sure I put one more word in there. Frank, Frank did his thing in that series. He did for sure. He did for sure. Hey, I'm not mad at Bibbs for that. The reason why I have to start with the Suns, though, is because the roster construction was not much different, like Reset, and I want people to understand that it was not much different than it's been in the past years. The main difference, though, is you had a Jalen Brunson who was outplaying expectations that a lot of people had for him, which, ironically, I feel like if he was able to sign that contract extension early in the season, Dallas's window as a team looks dramatically different, but obviously after that playoff run, things didn't pan out that way but that Suns team I mean this was a team that won 60 games they were the best team the entire regular season in terms of like dominance and consistency and you saw Luka just outmaneuver and outplay these boys and like reset as an NBA fan I will never ever in my life forget game seven where Luka Doncic is posting up DeAndre Aiden who was the first pick over him in that same draft 
before post fade. I'll never forget when he's crossing up Cam Johnson for the step back three. And I'll never forget when Luka outscored the entire Phoenix Suns team at halftime. Like that, that is what we're talking about in terms of the Dallas Mavericks team. And to Bibb's point, after that, they got outmatched by the next team in the final, sure. But I feel like after that series, a lot of people had a newfound respect for the Mavericks and, and Luka, but they didn't understand that there weren't crazy changes to the team outside of not keeping Jalen Brunson. And I feel like the role player variance in terms of the next season, it kind of played out in 2023. Yeah, I, I, you mentioned, you know, we, we got outplayed in the next round and I kind of compare it to different motivations. But I don't know if this is before your time. I don't know when you started watching. But when the Golden State Warriors beat the Mavericks um, in the first round in 2007, hate to bring it up, but it's, I can see Bill's face. Look at Bill's face. I hate, <laughs> I hate to bring it up, but it's the perfect comparison. Like if you listen to Matt Barnes, Steven Jackson, anybody from that team talk about that, they was like, Nelly was like, uh, Don Nelson, the coach, he was like, all right, I'm good. Beat him in the first round. Got the ass kicked by the Jazz in the next round. He didn't care about winning the second round. He was like, I beat the Mavericks. I, I took care of them. Cool. Not saying the Mavericks didn't care. I'm just talking about from a fan point stand base. Of course, we'd have loved to make the championship that year. But we knew, like, we overachieved. That Suns team wasn't ready. We looking at our roster, looking at Golden State, and we like, all right, this is the end of the run. We got to the Western Conference Finals. That's... Hey, all the Trey Young fans was like, oh, Luke ain't never made a conference oh final. Well, God. check that off. Check that off. What you got now? Check that off. It's nothing you could say. But uh, yeah, that 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 run was special. The Cam Johnson crossover you mentioned, I was sitting right where I am right now in this same exact chair. My TV is facing this way. I saw that cross. I got up. I pumped my fist and I said, whoop his I don't know if I can curse on it. But yes, you can. Yes, you can. I said, whoop his ass. I yelled it. I said, boy, we up. I watched that whole game. I don't even watch blowouts. I might have been in here dancing. I don't even dance. Like, I was in here acting a fool. Like That's the Bell Biv DeVoe side, you know. Oh, uh, here you oh, I, I set myself up for that. Yeah, you did. You did set yourself up for that a little bit, Biv. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, like... I think starting there makes sense because obviously the biggest thing that happened in your offseason is you guys were not able to retain Brunson, who was a big part of that run. He played phenomenal in the Jazz series as well. And with Luka in the Sun series, he was also a big force for you guys as well. I want to get y'all perspective in terms of not being able to retain Brunson and what that meant for the 2023 season. So uh, you take for a long time. I I was on board with trading Jalen Brunson because I saw what he was. I saw one, I didn't think he was a perfect fit next to Luka, but I saw that he was a starter in the NBA. And when they played with him on his contract, I, I'm I don't care. This ain't a Mavs platform, so I, I I feel even less bad about saying this, but I wanted him to leave. Like I wanted him to say F you Mark Cuban. Like because they played him. He wanted an extension. He didn't even want the big money. He just wanted the security of knowing that his team wanted him. And I think that's what the Mavs have lacked. And they're doing the same thing right now with Josh Green, I think. <clears throat> where they they, they they misunderstand that 
by this being a player's league, that means you have to show people that you care about them and not treat them like commodities. And they weren't willing to give that to Jalen Brunson. So, yeah, I do think that after the trade deadline passed and they didn't give him that security of that extension, he said, all right, I'm going to go ball out and I'm going to leave. And y'all going to be looking real stupid. And I think that that extra motivation allowed him to tap into a level that he had not previously achieved. I don't know if he gets there if he gets the extension. He maybe relaxes a little bit. But he had that extra motivation. He bought out. He saw what he was capable of. And he took it to New York the next year. And I, I honestly was happy for him. Like, it sucks as a Mavs fan to see your team do this type of thing. But I've seen it before. I saw it with Steve Nash. Like, this is what Mark Cuban's MO is. He thinks he's smarter than everybody. And he ends up looking stupid most of the time. Yeah, that was, that was tough. And I always hang my hat on this. Like... Before that season, everybody was like, oh, man, who's the second ball handler? I, I'm not saying no one else was saying it. I'm the only person I heard saying it. It was on the podcast. I don't know if it's still on record. I don't know if we still got those episodes. It should be out there. Oh, I can I can upload if it not. If not. But I was saying, hey, Jalen Brunson, I'm not saying he is, but he has the potential to be our second ball handler. That wasn't a popular opinion at the time because a lot of people forget before that, Jalen Brunson wasn't doing much. He right. ripped had him on the bench in the Clippers series the uh the year before so I wasn't sure what we were going to get from Brunson going in and then Luca went down Brunson stepped up uh once Luca came back and continued uh I agree with Bibbs where I say I don't feel like he was a good fit next to Luca long term for the success of the team but when you have a guy playing like that with value you don't just let him walk like you would you would think you would want to get him on the best deal possible and by the time January came, I believe it was January, he was like, hey, I'll just sign the extension like $13 million. And Maz was like, no. And at that point, what you saw from Jalen Brunson said, hey, this guy's worth $13 million. That's a steal. That's a steal. Even if you sign him just to flip him with something else. Like, we will probably be in a much better position than we are now. Not saying we're in a bad position now. We do have Kyrie. We made some good moves. But prior to that, it looked it didn't look good. It didn't look good. We bounced back, but that right. was that was a dark time, man. But like Bib said, I'm happy for Jalen Brunson. You know, it wasn't on him. He made the decision that was best for him. And uh the Mavs fumbled. Second time in history they fumble in a point guard. Yeah, I I was saying this, right? So before his breakout season, Brunson wasn't doing anything too crazy, but I always felt like he knows how to like control pace for the second units he was on. And I'm like, okay, let's see where this player goes. And 13 million for Brunson in a league where the CBA is increasing every single year. And there's like more money that's coming in. That will be a steal in the next three to four years. Like I remember, right? When everyone was saying, oh my God, Memphis, they overpaid Jaron Jackson Jr. And now he's on like the best contract in the league where in his final year of his contract he's gonna be making 23 million dollars that's that that's nothing in today's right. nba so even if you don't keep brunson long term based on fit sure that asset could be flipped for many valuable picks or or like players that you could put next to luca here and i feel like because you didn't have brunson to start the next year it was more so luca and just a bunch of other guys trying to fit in i think what hurt the mavericks a lot last year is defensively they just were not the same team and i hate the people that said oh my god how could they trade dfs and, and like 
all these other guys, they just traded away the defense. They were the 24th ranked defense before the trade. I don't, I don't understand that, Reese. Injuries. They got old. Yeah, like Maxi, Maxi, Josh Green, and Dorian Finney-Smith were injured for a good part of the yes. early part of the year. Yeah. Those were the three dudes that played defense. So there was no defense. We were swinging gates all over the court. It was hard to watch at times. I have no no feelings about anything that we did last year besides the fact that I think Nico Harrison showed he knows what he's doing a little bit and when he wants something he's going to go after it. So yeah, it's it's the 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 Western Conference final run everybody talked about how great the defense was, how connected we were and I do think that was part of that just that chemistry and momentum that we brought after the KP trade because KP was kind of a dark cloud hanging over the team. He gets out of there. Dinwiddie comes in. He's hitting shots, game winners and stuff. And like the vibes were just on 10. And when the vibes are on 10, the defense flows. Five what is, five fingers yep. turning into a yep. fist to knock you. Like everybody was like, hey, I'm going to switch. I'm going to rotate. Everybody was hustling and playing. The next year we come back. Everybody's tired, beat down, bodies falling apart. And you, you're not flying around like that. And it's not the same. You can't do that. You can't sustain that for a whole season. Everybody got a year older on top of that. And, you know, we needed to do a reset. And we did. We got Kyrie. And as far as the, the results not making the playoffs, it is what it is. Um, I don't think it said anything about the, the ability of Luka and Kyrie to work together. I just think that the rest of the team around them wasn't what it needed to be. And so then we come into the offseason needing to rectify that. I love that take, by the way, because if I had to have a dollar for all these fake deep think pieces about how can Luca be this top five player if he didn't make the playoffs and right right and I'm like y'all do realize that after they make the trade for Kyrie I was saying the only other asset that they have to improve this defense and, I, I, and I'm not even sure if at that point other teams considered him a true asset was Christian Wood and his expiring deal and obviously when they didn't trade him I was like okay so clearly his value just was in the dumps and he was not going to be this piece to like help him get all types of other pieces. I looked at it as this is your chance to make a move to put another guy who can produce on this roster who in the past has had a great fit next to other stars who have the ball in their hands. It makes sense. And even if it doesn't work, guess what? You have an asset that other teams might potentially want if he improves his trade value as he plays. To me, that makes more sense than saying, you know what? No. We need defense, so let's keep DFS. Let's just let's just keep doing the same shit over and over and over. So for me, that makes sense. Now, how they played on the court together, I feel like people really need to watch the games because Luka and Kyrie were still figuring things out. After the trade, they barely had that much time to play with each other. But when they were on the court, the offense was humming. It was spectacular. You saw Luka starting to find out how to just catch the ball and then explode and attack closeout so things made more sense but the way Kyrie came in and up the pace was the biggest thing for this team guys started to run the offense was a lot more involved and they were a very threatening team offensively and they were still figuring things out so I don't put much stock into the second half of last season but I am curious in terms of what your guys expectations are for this upcoming season because obviously the number one question I have is as good as Kyrie and as good as we know Luca to be, my question is the defense in terms of the front court position of this team. You guys drafted lively. I think he can be a good player, but I got to get 
your thoughts in here? Well, I, I'm excited for the season. It, I, I'm not a huge fan of Jason Kidd. But one thing I'll say from that first season was he coached some defense really well. If he ain't coaching nothing else. If we can get first year Jason Kidd and not last year Jason Kidd coaching the defense, we might have something like the front court. Like you said, we got lively. Everybody's saying they remind uh, he reminds them of Tyson Chandler, which is perfect comparison. That's the kind of guy we need right now. Yep. Not putting too much pressure on him. We need him to grow some more. You know, we're not just going to throw him out there to the wolves. But I think we have a decent stable of centers with Rashawn Holmes, Dwight Powell, and uh, and Derek Lively. At the four position, we picked up Grant Williams, who will go out there and defend anybody. We saw that in the playoffs. Uh, we still got Maxi Kleber off the bench, which I think is his best role. Uh, the other rookie we got, boy, Omax Prosper. I am, I'm high on Omax Prosper more than I am on Derek Lively, honest. I, okay, all right. I love Omax. I love Omax. We still got Josh Green. These guys, we got some young athletic guys out there with, with Derek Lively, Omax, and Josh. Rashawn Holmes still got some hops, you know. I, the athleticism mixed with the ability on defense is what matters the most. And I think that lacked with guys like Reggie and Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, they had the, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, hustle on defense, but oh, it lacked yeah. athleticism. Yeah, they, they they lack the athleticism on defense to to stay in front of a lot of guys. So yeah, uh, like you said, this team is running. Even on offense, I'm expecting them to go more in on offense than anything. But as long as the defense can keep up, Derek Lively can become somewhat of a rim protector, even if it's off the bench. Be cooking with hot grease. Yeah. So for me, I think that uh, what we learned last year is that Jason Kidd is not a teacher and he only has one way of playing so you can't give him pieces and have him coach these players into his defense you need to bring in players that are active and aggressive defensively so that he can let them loose on defense and trust them to to, to run the system uh so that we did that we went and got more defenders like you said omax and d lively uh, i think that for me to feel really good about this season i would like to see us get a veteran uh big to put in front of Derek Lively. Uh, the idea of him starting is fine, but if we want to get real serious, we need to go get a veteran rim protector. I don't care if he's 31, 32, 33, like that's going to age out in a year or two so Lively can inherit that role. Like I don't want us to go get a prime center to, to bury Lively, but if we can go get Clint Capella, for example, to put in front of Lively, then I'm going to feel a lot better about this season. I think that um, today, and I don't want to be reactionary about the preseason, Today we saw Josh Green come out aggressive in the, off the bench because I and I feel like Jason Kidd. I, I don't want to give Jason Kidd too much credit because I'd be hating on Jason Kidd on the low, but I feel like what he did by putting uh, Omax in the starting lineup for this preseason game and, and publicly saying he wants to see him start, I think he might have lit some fire under Josh Green's ass to come out and say, "Oh, oh you gonna put this rookie in front of me? Nah, I'm about to show you that I need to be starting in the starting lineup." And so I expect that to end up being the result when the season starts. And that that group that that Luca, Kyrie, Josh Green, that basis, and then Grant Williams, he's gonna figure it out as far as where he needs to be. He's shooting too many threes from the top of the key. He needs to get his ass yeah. in the corner, in my opinion. Uh and then lively doing what he's supposed to do, running the pick and roll at handling the ball at the top of the key as well. 
uh, and eventually hopefully moving to the bench behind a, a veteran big, I'm going to feel a lot better about this team this year. And uh, you mentioned Kyrie running like Josh Green with Kyrie in the open court is going to make me very excited. Very excited. It's the athleticism. And, and like, I'll say the last thing I say here before I officially get your guys preseason predictions in terms of the goals and what this team can accomplish is that when you have Kyrie there and the athletes that he has on this roster more than it was in the past, that to me is the X factor. I get that like the defensive front court stability is a question, but I do think this is going to be one of the best offensive teams in the league. It's just a matter of the execution down the stretch and the duality between both offense and defense. That's what makes it so hard because I honestly view the Mavericks as this huge swing. Okay, like they're either going to be like a a top five team or in the playing conversation, and I'm not quite sure where to put them yet. I think, I think that's fair. Play I think a play, yeah, I think a play in is fair. Uh, if you look at the competition in the West, it's tough. Like saying Crazy a team in the West is a playing team, it's almost not even like discrediting them. It's just like, hey, it's it's tough out here. Like, if you finish fourth or fifth, that's a hell of an achievement. Like, yes, I, I, it, it it's so many teams. You got Sacramento, Denver, Golden State, Suns, both LA teams. That's five teams right there. Phoenix, six. Who knows what the Pelicans are going to be? Seven. The Grizzlies. <laughs> it's like Wolves, nine. Like that's nine teams right there. Who knows what Utah is going to be? Ten. Like any injuries can happen. Anything can happen. Yeah. So, um, I am I am excited. I am uh, optimistic about this season. Oh shoot! I just said the word. I am optimistic about this season, but uh, you know, um. I don't know if I want to give a prediction yet. I, I, I'll wait for you to ask for the predictions, but I'm optimistic about this season. Okay, I'm going to ask for the predictions. <laughs> Listen, I'll go first. I'll go first, right? So, so for me, I am not sure of where Dallas finishes in terms of if they finish in the top six. I think I trust other teams continuity defensively a bit more in the front court but i think that dallas if you put them in a single game uh, elimination they can beat pretty much any team in that playing conversation i think dallas for me at least today because my mind changes every single day with the west my team is either some shit or they're good someday i don't know but i think for dallas i'm leaning more towards the six to seven range for dallas just because of how explosive they can be offensively I do think if this team can stay away from injuries in their front court and just play basketball through and through and through, this team could be like a top five talented team. I think Dallas is a lot for a top five offense. So that's my take on it. No, you want to go Reese or you need a second? No, 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 no. you can go. All right. So yeah, you, you took it out of the words out of my mouth. I was going to say six, seven is where I would expect to finish. Um, if we keep the roster as is, if we do make a move to get that that's that veteran big into the starting lineup, then I'm talking four five, which is crazy because I feel like it's a big difference between four five and six seven in the West. Like that top, yeah, that top five is is like those are the teams that are everybody's gonna say are contenders. With that said, you mentioned that you trust the Mavs in a one game elimination. If a play in a play in situation, I would say I try. I don't. There's no team I fear individually in the league when I have Luka and Kyrie on the court. 
in a, in a seven game series situation. Like they're each of them is capable of completely taking over a game. And I think that's where you get into scheming and things of that nature in a playoff series and figuring out how to scrape five points off the other team or create another five for yours in a game to game basis. And um, yeah, like I, as long as we make the playoffs, I'm not scared of nobody. I think that we can we can beat anybody you put in front of us. Uh, yeah, I'm in the six to seven range as well. I'll even put out a number. I'll say 44, 45 wins. Um, okay. When I think about, I, I mentioned a lot of teams, and when I think about teams like the Lakers, the Clippers, boom, those two teams right there, injury problems. That's going to knock off a few wins. You think about the New Orleans Pelicans. Zion is either injured or getting freaky. That's knocking off a few wins. True. Uh, the Grizzlies. According to him, if Dallas is his favorite city, he not they're not winning no games when he comes to Dallas. <laughs> sadly. Very sadly. Ja is out for 25 games. Everybody's like, oh, the Grizzlies usually play well when Ja is out. The reason for that, or part of the reason for that, is in Washington now. Yeah. Because you had a real point guard off the bench who can come in and 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 lead the team for the most part and and make things run smooth. Uh Derek Rosenmark is smarter there now. I don't know how that's gonna go, but missing Ja for 25 games is a big deal. So I think the Mavericks can uh fall or rise however you want to look at it in the six to seven range uh if it's the seven range i believe seven is the play-in right seven eight no 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 yeah seven through ten is seven the eight nine ten yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah, seven, 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 seven yeah. if we land at seven and we have to play a team at nine in a one one game elimination like if we lose obviously we play another game if we win we're in right i'm taking the Mavs right. over anybody anybody especially if it's at the bottom of the west and not the top and that's what like i have come to because even if i think dallas might be like a lower seeded team during the regular season at the end of the day if you make the playing tournament and you're playing against other teams it comes down to who who can out execute who in the single game and i think dallas just has the offensive firepower and they have that overall like thing to where it's going to be hard to adjust to them in the middle of one game so I think I will trust Dallas in those types of situations. But I want to say I appreciate having you guys on here. I hate that our time is so short for, for this episode, but I promise you during the season, we're going to tap in because there's a lot to talk about. Obviously, the Western Conference is super duper strong. And I'm telling you right now, for me at least, day by day, my opinions on what's going to happen changes because I've never seen this much talent in the Western Conference that we thought last year was loaded. This year is loaded significantly. And we got to be honest, there's going to be at least two teams that are playoff caliber teams that are not going to make the playoffs in the West. That's just what it is. So someone good is going to have to drop out. And it's not the Jazz. It's not the Rockets. It's not the Spurs. One of them other two teams in this conference is not going to make the playoffs. And it is what it is. But I'm excited to watch Dallas this year. I can't wait to see what Luka and Kyrie do. But I want to say I appreciate you guys being on this podcast. Go check out the Mavericks Outsiders podcast. All their links and all that will be in the description and the comments below. I love seeing my brothers create. And continue to create consistently with that. I was hearing the podcast a lot, a lot of the time. Great banner. And also, I hope we get a return from Optimus Bibbs this season as no, well. No, 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 no. Let's no, see no, that. No, no. See that Optimus <laughs> Bibbs, baby. <laughs> yeah. But I'll hit his line. I'll hit his line. Yes. But 
I will catch you guys in the next uh, video of the Get Through's podcast. We got a couple teams left until we've covered all 30 teams. Also, tap in with Reese. I got the idea for covering all 30 teams from him on his channel when he was covering all 30 teams before the NBA season started as well. So lock in there. But I'll catch you guys in the next one. Peace out, people. Peace.